Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that highlights a wide range of challenges and triumphs that our military-connected kids experience. My name is Dickie Harrison, and I'll be your host today. We would like to say thank you for the support of the Ramstein Officer Spouses Club for this episode. I am so excited to have joining me Rolly Sampson, and she is going to be talking about all things distressing during the holidays. So I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and leave you a little bit of your background as well. My name is Rolly Sampson and I work for MSEC. I'm really glad to be a part of their family. I am the military student well-being manager. So I oversee all of our student student programs and some of our well-being initiatives that look at the overall well-being, mental health, behavioral health, and physical health of, of our children. I'm also a military family member, so I was born and raised in the military. My dad's a Vietnam era vet. I grew up on military bases all over the world, went to eight schools during my K through 12 experience. At this point, I have 34 different addresses in my lifetime. I do have three adult children now. Two are graduated from college. I just had one graduated from UNC Chapel Hill in May, another one graduated from University of Edinburgh in Scotland here uh, just two weeks ago, and the last one is in their last two years of school. Prior to coming to MSEC, I worked as a military liaison counselor for a school district in North Carolina right outside of Fort Liberty, supporting about 3,400 military-connected students. So I worked closely with school admin teachers and school counselors, and I'm also a school counselor or licensed clinical mental health counselor associate in a national certified counselors. The well-being of military families is really at the heart of what I like to focus on. Wonderful. And thank you for talking about your experience as a military child. I was a military child as well. I tell people I didn't really realize how significant that was until I became an adult, but it's nice that we have that experience. And I think I might have 26 different addresses. So you... (laughs) <laughs> I think you you have me beat on that one, but it's a lot, a lot. And so we are in the midst of holiday season and it's a high stress time. I know I'm a little stressed myself. That's really kind of what we want to talk about. How can the holidays affect mental health? The reality is the holidays are a really emotional time of the year. You have that buildup between Halloween, Thanksgiving, and now you're falling into Christmas. And so there are all these things that are happening. You know, if you have school-age children, you have all those end-of-semester things from finals to concerts to activities to if they're doing sports, you might have award ceremonies. Never mind just the community things that are happening you're trying to attend on top of trying to work. You know, for people who have lost somebody, either around the holidays or recently, or have had some kind of significant thing happen to their family, The holidays can bring up grief and loss, you know, so sometimes it's emotional that way. Just trying to manage all the commitments that you have during the holidays, but, you know, but even family separation, you know, if you're not close to where your family is. For military families, having somebody gone or not being close to your own extended family, that can make the holidays both in one breath, you're happy they're here, but the next breath, there's that sense of loss or loneliness. I think that's important to mention about our military families. We are, my husband is now a retiree as of last year, but I know moving around, being in different places and never being near where my family is or my husband's family is 
was always really hard at the holidays. So I know that those separations, I think, I think all of it really imp- impacts you. Well, in as military families, you may be dealing with family separation, right? You have a service member who's deployed. You're not close to your own extended family. So if your family traditions and holidays really revolved around that, there's that loss or that missing of that. Yeah, sometimes you're trying to still create connection, right? Let's be clear, I'm the worst aunt ever. Packages never get out on time. My niece and nephew have just accepted that their birthday gifts and stuff will always be late because that's just who I am. Uh, But yeah, yeah, trying to stay connected to those family members, that adds a whole other level of pressure trying to get all that stuff. And if somebody's overseas trying to get those deadlines... You know, if you're managing the holidays alone, you know, you have a service member gone and you're by yourself trying to keep all those traditions alive. My husband decorates the outside. I decorate the inside of it. When he's not here, guess who's also decorating the outside? So trying, you know, you're trying to keep all that stuff up and and maintaining those holiday traditions, which for a military family can be even more overwhelming. Absolutely. And trying to figure out if you should still do the same things. I remember many, many years ago, my husband was deployed over like the Thanksgiving, Christmas. It was like a year over year deployment and it like hit everything. And I remember thinking, do I make a turkey? Like, do I do I do all the regular things that I usually do? I had our boys were really little at the time. And trying to navigate that even this time of year, do you still do all the things that you usually do when that service member is at home? And so I think that year, actually, I made Cornish hens. I was like, I'm not making a big turkey. I have toddlers. So we had, you know, little Cornish hens. So what factors increase stress during this time of year? I know we've talked a little bit about some of those things, but you know, are there some unique ones even for our military families? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we've talked sort of about some of those things that are unique to military families, but also I think this time of year you have increased commitments. Whether you want them or not, they show up at this time of year or expectations from your family. You might have family members that want you to be part of something. But also I think sometimes during the holidays, you have those things that you don't expect, whether it's the hot water heater going, you know, if you're not living in a rental Now you may incur a financial thing. Um, You could have health situations arise during the holidays that are unexpected. So those things that are unexpected that maybe they happened in June wouldn't be as overwhelming, but to have them happen during the holidays seems to really kick it up because you have so many other things on your plate. You know, when you add all that together, sometimes you're looking at a perfect storm. It could be really overwhelming. I, I think for military families, when you're navigating that alone, or if the service member is not easily accessible to be able to be part of the solution, that adds a whole other layer of stress to what we've got going on. Absolutely. And I I like that you mentioned the unexpected, you know, stressors like financial that have financial aspects to them. I always think about too, with our military families, when you're living away from Mm -hmm. that extended family, the cost to travel to them. Yes. You know, I, I remember my husband, we were just newly married. He was, you know, it's our first duty station. We didn't have kids yet, but there was this expectation from our family for us to fly. We were in North Carolina for us to fly all the way across country yeah. for the holidays. I always think about that for our military families. It's the holiday season, you're purchasing gifts. And now you may have travel costs 
And especially if there's an expectation, sometimes, you know, extended families don't understand the, the impact of that financial cost or what it costs if they're not used to traveling themselves. And so I think for families who have a desire to go home, sometimes you have to make the hard choice that you can't because you can't do it all. And and that can add, you know, not just that financial stress, but it also adds, you know, a, a sense of loss and grief to not be able to be with your family during the holidays. Yes, for sure. And I have definitely felt that before. <laughs> I'm being really sad about not being able to get somewhere. You know, I always think about living overseas too. You know, you can't just you know, hop on a plane real easily when you're stationed in another country. I know we're talking about some of those stressors and how they affect us during this time of year and mental health. Where does stress management really fit into your priorities during the holidays? Because you've talked about there's all these commitments, um, whether you want them or not. How do you prioritize stress management? How do you manage those expectations? We talk a lot about establishing boundaries, limitations, those types of things. Yeah. So bottom line is it has to be on your list to manage or you're going to implode. And sometimes it's just listening to your body and recognizing your own physical limitations. Sometimes we just can't physically do anymore and we have to listen to that. It, but it's not always easy when your commitments are higher than usual. If you don't have an extra set of hands or you don't live somewhere, if you're new to an area and you don't have a strong friend group or other social connections, that can help carry the slack. It's easier said than done. But one of the things that you really think about your stress management, your goal is to help you find joy during the holidays. We can manage our expectations. It's learning how to be okay when it doesn't all go to plan and learning how to pivot and remembering that what you really want to focus on during the holidays is the quality time you have with your kids, are those shared moments, and that it doesn't all have to look perfect, be perfect, wrap perfect for them to have an amazing holiday experience. So when I was very young, I must have been maybe four. And one of my fondest family memories was dad got someone to dress up as Santa and come to the house. And he gave me a gift. And it was this little princess telephone. I remember this moment. What I don't remember is how financially strapped my parents were. And that my mom had collected coupons at the grocery store, these little things that she could trade them in for that. It didn't have to be big for it to be meaningful to me. So remembering that it's about the quality time you spend with your family, you know, and then you asked about boundaries. So first I'm going to tell you, it is totally okay to set boundaries and limitations. You can say no. And I think as military spouses, our tendency is when somebody needs help, or they need an extra set of hands and they ask for a volunteer, we say yes. And I think around the holidays, you have to sort of limit how many times you say yes. I have a major event I volunteer for every year around the holidays. That's my big contribution to my community because I cannot do it all. It is okay to say, you know, no, I don't have a bandwidth for this. And the other thing is okay to set boundaries with your family. It is okay to say, hey, listen, we want to come home for Christmas, so we can't. How about we come home for Easter or during spring break, or we'll see you during the summer. It is okay for you to have your own family moments if that's what you need to be able to get through the holidays in a healthy way with your sanity. It's also okay to compromise with family visiting you. Sometimes you don't need them there on Christmas Day because they add more stress and chaos to the moment. 
maybe they're the family that you say, hey, listen, why don't you come for New Year's? You can still come visit during the holidays, but let's do it right after Christmas and we'll do our Christmas together. I know my mother's family, their holiday tradition, and they've been doing it for generations because I grew up doing this, New Year's Day. Somebody hosts it, everybody shows up, whoever can make it. It takes the stress off of everybody having to be at somebody's house for Christmas. And then finally, it's okay to set limitations with your children and even their expectations. Especially as they get older, I found that it was easier to meet my kids' wish lists when they were smaller because it was far more cost-effective. But teenagers, their price points are much higher. So be frank with them. They're old enough to understand that there are financial limitations. Let them make a list. But but tell them, you can, you can ask me for 10 things. Let them know what your budget is. It is okay. And, and if you want to go home or travel for the holidays, include them in that decision that if we do this, this means my present budget is smaller. And we've done that. Our kids have made the decision that they wanted to go spend time with grandparents and family, knowing that was two days of driving on both sides. And if we're doing that and we're paying for lodging, there are big gifts. There is a gift for each of you. So it's okay to set limitations and change expectations as your kids get older. All of that was fantastic. There was so much in there. And I love that you talked about you have to manage. You have to prioritize your stress management and handling everything. I try to take everything day by day. Yes. Because I tend to be a very high stress person. We are both Griswold people. I have very lofty goals and expectations of how things are supposed to look. And there's all these things happening and I just have to go day by day. I, I, that's my personal tip is I just make a list and I just try to get those things done on those days. I will say one thing that has not helped with my de-stress this year is all of these final projects that my children have been assigned in school to complete before holiday break. You got uh, end a year and earn the semester assignments. And yes, I'm like, wow, we've got four final projects that we, you know, that they, you, we have to get done. You can't see my air quotes, everyone, um, that we have to get done before the semester ends. So that, you know, that hasn't helped me at least this year personally. <laughs> so, okay, so what are some tips that you have for de-stressing during the holidays? I think just you just have to accept that things are going to change. You go in with a plan. You just need to accept they're going to change and be prepared to pivot. I like to try to find humor in the chaos. If it's all going to go wrong, then I might as well find a way to find some joy in that moment and, and not take it so seriously. It's not about you know, bringing your A-game down all the time. But the reality is we can't be on our A-game every day. It reminds me of a gift my children gave me. So for Mother's Day, my daughter bought me this hat. And it said, very good mom. You know how it didn't say world's best mom? It said, very good mom. But in that, that's the reality, right? I, I'm never going to be the world's best mom. Jane Cleaver was probably the only one out there who did it. And she was a TV mom. But I'm a good mom. And so you can be a good parent and you can have great holiday memories without it being an A game. I think that sometimes we need to stay off social media during the holidays. 
it sets really unrealistic holiday expectations. I'm not sure when we had to do all these pictures and photos and all these things of every moment have become the standard. I remember when I was a young lieutenant, my battalion commander's wife, they were amazing. And at this point in my life, they're friends. But Teresa had this picture on her refrigerator. And this is back when Olin Mills, when you couldn't get a family photo on your phone, you had to go to a studio. And there is this photo of them and their five children. You have a kid crying. You got one yelling. Somebody's pulling somebody's hair. She's not even looking at the camera. And that is the photo they bought because it really reflected who they were. You know, this was before I had kids. It really sort of set the stage for me that I could have the perfect photo, but the memory that they all remember was that because that's really what the experience looked like. So I have those kids who don't smile in school picture photos, refuse to sit with Santa. It is okay because we have other things that we do that are meaningful. You can plan for the best, but be prepared for it to go off the rails a little. Excellent advice. And I was laughing about that picture because I think my parents have a similar picture of my brother and I not doing any of the poses that we were supposed to do for the camera. So another question that I have for you is how do we ask for help? Because I feel like earlier you talked about as military spouses, we're so used to doing it all. We usually say yes to everything. And a lot of times it's very difficult for us to ask for help. So how do you do that? Well, and I think in military culture, there's sort of this unspoken kind of thing. Asking for help is a sign of weakness, which in reality, asking for help takes huge courage and self-awareness. So, you know, one is you need to recognize when you need help and ask somebody before it's a crisis. Share the load. So if you are on your own for the holidays and you have a friend who is also on their own, and even if they're not, spend them together. I have a military spouse friend, Rose. Uh, We both ended up at Fort Bragg at the same time. Husband's doing the same thing. We spent more holidays together in six years than we did with our husbands because we did October, November, December, you know, those three months together, even when they were home. So if we got lucky and both men were home, guess what? We're all doing it together. And if they weren't, we did it together ourselves. You know, sharing the load, it's a way to get help without having to feel like you're asking and being needy. And include people in your holiday plans who will be helpful and not create more stress. So if you're going to invite family or friends to your house, invite those people who are low maintenance or who will help. I love my mother-in-law. She would show up at my house. And next thing I know, my laundry was done. I never asked her, and she's like, yes, but I can lend a hand while I'm here. She lightened that load for a little bit. Accept the help when it's offered and know when to ask for it when you need it. There is no weakness in that. In fact, it's a strength. So I would go even a step further. How do we tell our children that it's okay to go to an adult or to ask for help when they're struggling when we don't model that same behavior? So when we think about how we ask for help, we're showing our kids it's okay to seek support when they need it. Great advice. And I always say with my kids, you know, apologizing for those times when something doesn't go the way that is planned. I didn't necessarily have that growing up, but I try to tell them it's okay. We make mistakes. Things don't happen the way that we think they're going to go. And acknowledging that and moving forward, I'm going to throw that one in there. So, is there something that you personally do to relax? I know you talked about you try to emphasize humor in everything. Is there something else that you maybe do 
that's like a relaxation technique or or some kind of self-care that you do. You know, and I know self-care is the big buzzword nowadays, right? And when you see it, what do we think of? We think, oh, you know, I'm supposed to be eating right, exercising, drinking water, getting rest, right? I should be doing yoga, meditation. I'm going to tell you now, we're about all those things. And it's sometimes it's hard to find balance with those things, especially when you are high stressed. You know, December is not the time for me to figure out that maybe I should walk more. It's not something I enjoy, so I'm just making more work for myself. Self-care is about finding a moment and doing something that makes you happy and brings you joy. It rejuvenates you. When my kids were younger, there were things I couldn't do anymore because little hands get into things. And I've always been a really creative person. So different times of my children's lives, I was making or doing different things. And I used to love to do cross-stitch. Well, I'm much older now. My bifocals don't work well. So I recently, I was like, I've got to find something to do in the evenings with my hands that are not playing on the phone. Because we know that extra screen time is going to impact my sleep. I already have enough challenges. I don't need to add that to So I took up embroidery, way more forgiving. So I still get to have that same pleasure experience. It's something I enjoy. The other thing I do to relax, I read. But I don't read meaningful things. Obviously, I read things for professional development and stuff like that. But in terms of relaxing, I want a book that doesn't require much thought. The plot is simple. There's probably some humor in it. And I keep it on my Kindle. So if I'm in the car for 15 minutes and I need a break, it's a great escape. And then I do try to meet a friend for lunch a couple times a month or an adult beverage after work. When the weather's good, we actually started all going to a trivia night. There was one local that starts earlier in the evening. Since we're older, we're all like, woohoo, we could be back at the house before nine in our pajamas. And then when all else fails, I lock myself in the bathroom and I bring my book and something to drink that I'm going to enjoy. And I take a long, hot bath. Now, I don't have little kids, but you know, as my kids got older, if it's an emergency, if you're if you're bleeding, text me. I got my phone. My Kindle's on it. That's what I do. I look for, if you want to distress during the holidays, find something that brings you joy. Not everybody else, you joy and do it, even if it's just for 15 minutes a day. I love all of those that you mentioned. I think they are great. And I really, I think the the overarching theme is find what works for you. And it's going to look different for everyone. Someone watches movies, somebody else is doing puzzles, identifying that joyful activity. You know, I was thinking back to during the pandemic when we were all kind of in lockdown at the time we were stationed in a state that had some real heavy restrictions. And I remember like at night, I would go on a walk like every night at like 730 after dinner's cooked, dishes are put away, kids are kind of doing their thing with homework, I would take a walk around the neighborhood. Like it was like my thing that I did. It was really something very relaxing for me. I think sometimes, um, especially if you're the primary caregiving parent, it's okay to take time for yourself. Whatever that needs to look like for you, do it. It's something I wish I had learned when my kids were younger. My military experience is a little bit different than spouses now because my husband was part of the military when Iraq kicked off in 9-11. So we always thought there was going to come a time when he would stop deploying. Yeah, it never happened. But we didn't have that foresight to know that. And so as spouses back then, we didn't think about the fact that we had to build me time in because we thought me time would come when they stopped deploying. We figured out about 10 years in, all of us, we had a conversation about this is not changing. So I do really appreciate that younger spouses sort of come in with the mentality that they have to find a way to have balance when the service member's gone. 
but yeah, it, it is okay for you to take time for yourself. Your kids will be okay. Yes, they definitely will. Now that we're talking a little bit about kids, what are some of the signs that we need to look for in them being able to de-stress? Because I know we're talking a lot about as adults, we are experiencing higher levels of stress during this season, but so are our kids. One of the things that whether we realize it or not, even if we're not sharing that we're feeling stress, kids will pick up on that. When you look at young kids, if you're seeing your kid really melting down after school, not being able to do school, we're getting frustrated, becoming argumentative, they're definitely getting overstimulated. You might need to lay off of some of the routines in the evening, giving them time to veg out a little bit or go relax or giving them some space to have some quiet so that they can slow down. Older kids, you could see similar behavior. You know, you're going to see the frustration. They might still argue with you. You know, as, you know, teenagers, they might get a little mouthy and you have the eye rolling, you know, that kind of stuff that maybe they do it sometimes, but they're doing it all the time. But the other is you could see them withdrawing. You might have older kids who are hiding out in their room, not wanting to participate in things. Same thing. There's too much going on. It's overwhelming. And so they're withdrawing and they're isolating. It's really easy for everybody to get overstimulated in the holidays, even for somebody who enjoys it. So if you have a kid who naturally is a little bit introverted and doesn't like all that big hoopla, you can guarantee that this is going to be a lot for them every year. But even for your kid who enjoys it all, could end up doing too much, they might just get exhausted and you're seeing the fatigue and things like that. When we talk about helping our kids to stress, engage your kids in the holidays. Work with them in terms of holiday traditions. Let them have a voice in which ones that Maybe you're going to do that year or maybe it's something that you want to change a little bit because they're getting older. So we have, you know, more than one tree because I collect Snoopy ornaments and it's a long story. But every year, we, no matter where we go, if we travel, we always put up the family Christmas tree. I like the other decorations. And so knowing that we're going to go spend time with family, knowing my husband is deployed, I ask the kids, well, what holiday decorations do you want to put up? Do we put everything up this year? And we made the decisions together of what traditions we were going to do that year and observe. And it's okay for traditions to morph and change. And the other is, if you're not sure what's going on with them, especially if you're finding their moody, instead of making suggestions like, well, you know, maybe if you weren't on your phone all night, or maybe if you did this, maybe they don't want to hear it. Ask them, how are you? What's going on? How are you doing? And they say, I'm having a crappy time, or I miss dad and I'm really sad. Instead of saying, well, we could do this. No, just say, I'm really sorry you miss them. Validate their feelings because that's what they want, especially teenagers. And then your next question is, what can I do to support you? And they might say, there's nothing you can do. And you say, okay. Because sometimes there's nothing we can do to make somebody feel better when they're missing someone. That's what I would say with kids is involve them, ask them what's going on, validate how they feel, and ask them how you can help them. That's really great having them be a part of the process. And I think that's really important for kids, no matter what age, you know, you just kind of make it appropriate for wherever they're at. So we've talked a lot about de-stressing during the holidays, some tips for that. How do we manage that stress? So what about the fun things that we tend to do during the holidays? Is there something that you do or your family does? Because we'd love to know. We have a family tradition that got started by my mother-in-law. My husband had been deployed like many things, right? And we went to Arkansas for Christmas and she bought a bingo game, a Christmas bingo game. And my kids were three and five. 
And so we played dozens of rounds of bingo and lots of little prizes, everything from, you know, little gloves, things that she picked at the dollar store, cakes, little treats. My kids loved it, had a great time. So my mother-in-law sent Christmas bingo back with me. So we could do it the next year when we weren't in Arkansas. Now I have a Christmas bingo game and my husband's not here and it's me and my two kids. So what happened is I started inviting other military families and neighbors or friends. I lived in a community where most of my friends were military. And so my friend Rose, we started doing Christmas bingo with our kids and there was another family who invited. Christmas bingo has become the thing that has stayed with us. And we have families that still do bingo with us. In fact, one daughter's now in high school and she started when she was five. Now my kids are grown, so some of the Christmas gifts are a little bit more adult themed. And we've changed how we play it. So now if you play Christmas bingo, you come and you contribute to the pot. But it is. It's like it's a big deal every year. So this year, my kids, we were already planning Christmas bingo. The families who come, like we all coordinate the date. And we come, we play three hours of bingo, and we laugh, and, and then everybody goes on their merry way. What I like is it's a tradition that no matter where we go, we can take with us, and we can do it with anybody. A lot of fun. And I think it's great to have games. I mean, games are fun no matter what the holiday is or time of year is. I think the one thing that we do that's really fun, whoever we're getting together with with family, is the, I don't know what they call it, you know, the the gift game where you buy the oh, gift. Yeah, like the, the elephant or they call it, you know, ugly Santa, depending on how yeah, you Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, you know, people are stealing each other's gifts. And so that's that always tends to be something really fun that we do and that everybody gets into. So I think those are some great ideas for creating some traditions and some fun during the holidays, because that's what it should be about is, like you said a little bit earlier, finding whatever that joy is. So do you have any end of the year or new year mantras? I know we focus so much on the holiday season and then boom, it's January and everybody starts talking about the new year. It's hard because there is, there's this big push on, you know, setting goals and resolutions and all of this. When the end of the year comes, you know, my husband and I sit there on New Year's Eve. We try to think back to all the good moments we had that year. And really just try to remind ourselves to live in the moment, to not stress about what could be or what should have happened. You know, I want to enjoy every moment I have with my children because they are leaving my nest. And I don't want to worry about the what ifs or what should have happened or what could have happened or how I could have made it better. I try to remind myself every year that I need to learn how to live with grace. I need to be forgiving of myself. And I need to be okay taking a knee when I need to. And sometimes good enough really is good enough. A lot of insightfulness in that, for sure. I have a friend to add to your grace that's always talking about gratefulness. That's her her thing. She's like, I just am trying to be grateful for the things that I have, for the experiences that I've had, and not focus on all the things that didn't happen. You know, gratefulness is kind of her, I don't know, new year mantra, so to speak, if you would have one. So, well, this is fantastic. I thank you so much for talking about all of your experiences with your family and with yourself and talking about that stress management that we all are seeking during the holidays and really appreciate all of your time. 
Well, Icky, it was a pleasure to be here. I think it's a, a great thing to talk about. And, you know, military families, it's not an easy life. It is a good life. And it's okay for us to not have it perfect. And we're still going to have a great result. I'd like to thank Crowley for her time today as our conversation on de-stressing during the holidays was both timely and important. We will be taking a two-week break for the holiday season and hope that you enjoy spending time with friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of the year and listen back in 2024. We have some really great conversations planned. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and give today's show a five-star rating. And don't forget to leave us a comment on topics you'd like to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Ramstein Officer Spouses Club for supporting this episode and Consentus Media for audio mixing. I'm Nikki Harrison, and until next time, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind.